Blog Talk Radio. No question. You got it, John? You're on. I can hear you. No, go ahead, John. I guess I was muted, so everything I said didn't matter. Go ahead. Open the show. Well, no, I think I think you were live. I don't know. Uh, we. I'm sorry. I had a little bit of a technical difficulty there right at the opening, but we're on air now. And, of course, we're going to have a bang-up show again tonight. And I want to welcome on everybody uh, from Australia who – clicked on the show and rod the <laughs> the promo for it uh, we're glad to have you and any correspondence you want to have with us you can do through the chat room associated with the show i've got it open and or you can call in at 917-388-4520 that's 917-388-4520 and hit the number one as soon as blog talk answers to flag me so that you can question or comment, whatever you want to do. I beg everybody, please be civil. You're welcome to disagree, add your two cents worth, but we do not allow attacks, name-calling, uh, arrogance, any of that. We, we're just not having it. We're looking to have a civil discussion. With that said, of course, hitting today, of course, is more news about the jabs and the COVID virus and the mutants and the this and the that. In a conversation recently uh, with a very close friend of mine who has had several close people to her either die from or become seriously affected by whatever this is, and she made the comment at one point, I'm sick of hearing about COVID, COVID this, COVID that. She said, what is this? And I think this is a relevant question because I believe the reason, and John, please, if you disagree with me, jump in there. The reason they, it's not that they have failed to isolate it or that they can't isolate it or they can't identify it, but to do so would indicate exactly which lab it came from if, in fact, it is a lab-engineered virus. But I don't think it's a virus at all. I don't think it's anything that we are breathing in, breathing out, blah, blah, blah. I think, and the CIA is very adept at this, um, the federal government has numerous times experimented on the, the American public without our knowledge, um, done terrible things to us. And I'm thinking, and my friend agreed with me, this is more like something that's either being sprayed, aerosol, we know they do this with chemtrails, but what if they're they're doing it some other way? and Or maybe something added to the water supply? I remember there in Minnesota when they redid all the streets here about 10 years ago in the water system, 
standing at the edge of my yard, which looked like at the edge of a cliff at that time. They dug down so deep. They're laying these new water lines. There's the main line that came through, but attached to it is a blue line about two inches in diameter, and about every 10, 15 feet is a computerized valve. And I was looking at that, and I thought, what, what, is, what is that? What's that for? So the job supervisor was there, and I said to him, excuse me, what's that secondary line for, and how come those valves are on there? He said, because it's none of your business. He said, get your ass back in the house. <laughs> you know I didn't do that. And But I think something is being done to us. Now, for the last 25 years at least, Japan has been adding lithium, openly admit this, to their drinking water to keep the population docile. It works. You can't have 20 billion people living in a shoebox, not fighting each other unless somebody's being drugged. Then here, um, what was it, two years ago in Los Angeles, somebody tested the water and found it had a 54% content of Xanax. And they said, oh, that was because people were taking it and peeing it out, and it got in that way. Or they were dumping out their men, and that's how that got in there at that high level. No, I don't think so. I think it was added to the water in an effort to keep elation calm down. And... This thing with this so-called virus, I don't think it's a virus at all. I do think it's a bi- biological weapon. I do think it is being salted either through the air or the water somehow. Uh, a vehicle driving through your community and suddenly we have this explosion of supposed COVID cases. I don't think that's what this is at all. And have you ever, ever, ever seen the medical industry, the CDC and the FDA fight so damn hard to keep known medications that would stop this, reverse it, cure it, whatever, from being used, and you really don't think there's a genocide going on? Really? We have had over 15,000 people that they will admit to, and the girl that came out from CDC, the whistleblower, said it's more like 45,000 that have died from this so-called vaccine. We've had 2,000 babies spontaneously abort. We have over a quarter of a million people injured, more than half of those permanently and severely. We have teenagers with heart inflammation, and now they're talking about giving this crap to babies. Whatever it is they're doing, they're going after the kids before they get old enough to resist. Something that something is being done to us. It has nothing to do with some faked up virus. And any so-called variant, I think what we are getting is a variant on the weapon being used on us. This didn't work quite like we wanted it to. Well, let's add this to it and see what that does. It seems more to be the claim. Now we have got <coughs> bills coming out prohibiting people who are not vaccinated from flying. When just the reverse should be true, the people who are vaccinated should be prohibited from getting on that plane, traveling somewhere else, and spreading whatever they've been infected with. But see, we're going just absolutely the reverse. Now, I want you to think about all of this. Because none of this scenario that they have presented us with makes any sense. It is illogical. It's unscientific. 
it is there is nothing about it that makes any kind of sense on any level. And yet, how many of you out there ran out and got the jab? Do you know what was put in your body? Do you have any idea what it's going to do to you? And if you were one of the lucky ones who didn't respond negatively immediately, wait your turn. Wait for it. It's coming. This is what we've got on our plate for right now. Now, at the head of all of this, of course, is our president. And... We've got one right now that's in full-blown dementia, doesn't even know which one planet he's on. The one we had before him, uh, absolutely adolescent in his thinking, his actions, childlike most of the time, spoiled child. Um, a known grifter, con man, what can you say about him? And Biden, our president now, is the one who actually pinned the original Patriot Act. He couldn't get it passed. So when 911 happened, Mitch McConnell picked it up, did a little bit rewording here and there, slammed it on the floor of the Senate, and they passed it that way. <laughs> 911 was a pivotal moment for us as a country. This was a terrorist attack. Only thing was, the enemy was inside the gate, and it wasn't somebody from Screwbucket, Egypt, either. They were sitting right in D.C. We were attacked by our own government and it was a false flag meant to steer us to the place we are at now that was only the beginning this is going to get worse now if you've been watching what's going on around the world australia bless their hearts protesting every day tens of thousands of people fighting back germany was on the edge of revolt full out revolt but they finally got angela merkel out of there so we'll see if there's any change France, I don't know what's going to happen there. They were on the verge of revolt, too, and now I hear that they supposedly have bought in um, the whole nine yards on this vaccine passport thing. Every bit of this violates what's supposed to be our constitutional rights, just our rights to be left alone by government. So before you all get to screaming about the damn Democrats and the damn Republicans, it's all the same party, only you wasn't invited. These people, uh, I want to say one last thing before I turn this over to John. These people that think that there is a difference in D.C. between the Democrats and Republicans, you're, you're sadly mistaken. There isn't. It's all, like I say, one big party. But the other side of this is this. I hear words like communism, socialism thrown around, fascism. This ism, whichever one you're, you're lambasting the other person with, is simply an indicator of which group of elites is going to run things. That's, that's all it is. Communism, socialism, fascism. Fascism, which is what we have now, corporatization of everything, by necessity creates a slave class. And you see it's, it's working beautifully, but it creates socialism and communism. And so you're going to get the same thing one way or another. But, but quit fighting each other. This serves no purpose but to allow them to get away with more of their dirty work while you're busy arguing things that don't matter. The only place right, left, Democrat, Republican, Conservative liberal matters is out here in the public. In D.C., they could give a crap. Anyway, 
with all of that said, my two cents worth, good evening, John. <laughs> <laughs> good evening, Marty. Hello, everybody. I don't know if what I was talking about earlier got through, but that's all good. Hey, folks, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about tyranny. We're going to go back in American history, but I want to make something abundantly clear. This pattern in our world has existed for millennia, not decades, not centuries. It's gone all the way back in history. You know, they say that uh, all history is written by the winners. And again, there's a lot of truth in there because those who are not the quote-unquote winners generally find themselves on the bad end of receiving some nasty repercussions, if you know what I mean. In other words, they end up turning around and pushing up daisies. But I'm here to tell you, folks, since we're here in a glorious America, I wanted to cover a little bit about uh, our American history so that we can kind of get a perspective that tyranny is not something just over there in places like Nazi Germany and our Aussie friends right now suffering under the same kind of globalist garbage over there in their world. You know, nothing is more frustrating to me than the concept of watching everything that I've been studying in history coming into full fruition with all the power behind it, where I saw the writing on the wall years and decades ago. It's not like we're psychics. It's not like we got crystal balls. It's not like we got great skills reading TVs. No, folks. We have books that were written by certain people who said this is the agenda, and they followed through with that agenda. Now, that should have been a big red flag to anybody paying attention, but clearly it is not because, obviously, here we are in 2021 scratching our heads and wondering what to do next because the chaos, and this is chaos, ladies and gentlemen, has gotten to such a degree that our society is truly at the brink. You know, Marty, I've been around for a while. I know you have too, but I have never seen my country divided as it is right now. People on all spectrums and sides are just chomping at the bit to go at it with each other. And it's frustrating yes. to me because you and I talk about divide yes. and conquer. Go ahead, Marty. No, I was just saying I, I agree, John. I have never in all my life seen the country ripped apart like it is right now over nonsense, absolute nonsense. And the nonsense is only getting worse. But let's go back a little bit. You know, folks, I've explained in great detail about uh, the Revolutionary War. I like to call that Civil War 1.0. And, uh, you know, you read the uh, peace treaty back then, the 1793 peace treaty, or 1783 peace treaty, and what you see is that the American Revolution didn't quite go the way that we've been told it did. There was agreements made, there was an agenda proceeded, and we see right out the starting gate that the lies were there to create a perspective amongst the population and that perspective amongst the population was there to keep them passive to get them to go along with what was happening because as you're well aware folks it's a lot easier to convince somebody who's a slave that they're free if you tell them that they're free repetitively 
if you kind of imply it. Now, it doesn't matter that the tyranny behind it would suggest otherwise. But just keep telling them that they're free, and they start to believe it. And this is where we're at. But here's the catch. It started that way. It started that way. So let's go all the way back to everybody's favorite president, general, and that character everybody sees on the quarters, George Washington. Now, we talk about him all the time with big thumbs up, rolling applause, and all those other wonderful accolades that come with great leaders. And don't get me wrong, the guy did have a lot going for him, but here's the thing. When you actually look back at your history, you discover that he wasn't quite the nice guy everybody made him out to be. He certainly wasn't. And we're not going to talk about the times during the Revolutionary War or anything before that. We're not going to talk about slaves. None of that. What we're going to talk about is a change that was immediate, immediate between what they claimed that they were fighting for versus what was actually implemented. Okay. Now, for people who don't know about it, George Washington was president from 30 April 1789 to 3 March 1797. That was when he was president. This is incredibly important. Also remember, folks, that the 1789 Peace Treaty or 1789 uh, Constitution came out of something. Okay, the Philadelphia Convention started in 1787, but what that was, that was supposed to tinker with the Articles of Confederation. It didn't. It was literally thrown out and started from the ground up, and you ask the question, why? Well, you've heard me explain that a constitution is nothing more than a corporate charter. I've also gone in a great degree explaining what is a constitutor, someone who agrees to pay the debts of another. And that was, of course, the states who were now indebted to England over the Revolutionary War debt. Okay, and again, go ahead and read this uh, peace treaty over that. Not going to get into it here. Now, the problem was that during the periods of just post-war, there was an awful lot of men who had gone to war. They hadn't gotten anything resembling paychecks. And now after the war, they were getting their properties taken from them for reparations of debts. Okay? Now, we're going to talk about a couple different examples of our great and glorious leader, George Washington, and his activities in supporting those that were doing the damage. First of all, there was debt collectors that were doing things not only in Massachusetts, but in other places as well. But in Massachusetts, that's our area of interest right now. There was a gentleman named there, George. Uh, his name was uh, Daniel Shays, and it's known as Shays Rebellion. And generally, you will not hear about this. In any history book, you've got to do research into it. Okay. Now, Shays' Rebellion, what he was, he was a captain in the Continental Army, and he had returned home owing money. No paychecks for his time and service, anything like that. So they were looking at taking his property from him. 
Now, what he did is he started getting people together because he was not alone with this problem and saying, listen, we're not going to permit you to come in and take these properties. The bills will be paid later. Okay, And what they were doing, they were literally going down anywhere there was a courthouse. And remember, the clerk masquerading as a judge at the time, there wasn't really anything that was set in stone. They kind of had their little circuit that they took. Okay, So anytime they'd show up into town there, wherever the local courthouse was, which was usually just whatever church building or whatever they needed at the time, well, that's where they would hold their court for the day. Well, he would bring in people and say, hey. We're going to stop this, and they literally did shut it down. Well, what ended up happening was the bankers, and as you've heard me say a million times, all wars are bankers' wars. All wars are bankers' wars. Hired a mercenary army, and that mercenary army was led by a gentleman named Benjamin Lincoln. And what ended up happening was Shea had about 1,500 people, and uh, they had moved in the direction of getting guns at stuff for their little insurrection-type thing, okay? And they were, of course, stopped by the other party, by Lincoln and his men, his army of mercenaries. They killed a few of the quote-unquote rebels. That basically put down the quote-unquote rebellion and everything in it. But ladies and gentlemen, that was enforcement of debt collections using violence where bankers were playing the game. And again, you've heard me talk about vulture capitalism all the time. Nothing new. And of course, with the Articles of Confederation getting thrown out and the Constitution getting put into place, the whole world would now be a different place. Only hard money would be accepted in the payment of debts, and that, of course, was gold and silver back then. And when Shea had organized people at these county courts to protest, they were able to stop temporarily the problem. Because remember, after fighting a war, there was no hard money circulating. There wasn't. And that goes into number issue number two. The Whiskey Rebellion and the Insurrection, sometimes called the Whiskey Insurrection of 1791 to 1794. Again, George Washington as president went down and congratulated the troops that were going to go out and fight this war to go collect taxes. And folks, I'm here to tell you, same thing applied. There was no hard money that was rotating out there. Whiskey was frequently used as a way of conducting commerce. It acted as the purpose of money. It acted just like money. And that was a good way for people that had grown their grains and stuff like that to actually have something that they could barter away with. But, of course, there were war reparations that had to be repaid. And, again, this is the problem. When you're a debt collector… Well, we've got to collect our debts, and by using violence, this is again what happened. And here's the interesting thing. The Whiskey Rebellion, those men that were using whiskey for the purpose of commerce and to save money and do their little things, 
were the same men that helped George Washington during the Revolutionary War. In other words, he turned around and betrayed the same men that supported him in a war. Now, for those of you who don't know your history, again, at the founding of the country, there was a big fight between what was called the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists. Okay? The Federalists believed in a strong central government, a.k.a. tyranny from above. The Anti-Federalists believed in a weak central government and a strong state government. There's your history, folks. And what ended up happening was all of a sudden there were several violations right out the starting gate again amongst this new corporation trying to take power where it was not granted. Okay? First of all, the Alien and Seditions Act. The goal of that act was to suppress voters and to suppress any critics of the Federalists. That was what that act was about, the Alien and Sedition Act. They didn't like it when people pointed out that, wait a minute, we just had this new constitution created that guaranteed certain things and rights and all that, and here you are violating it right outside the starting gate. Oh, shocker, I know, right? When your freedom of speech gets muzzled, ladies and gentlemen, that should put all concerns front and center for you. And again, we're seeing that in today in 2021, and we've been seeing it for years. Okay? Moving forward, we had the prosecution and conviction of newspaper owners who were opposed to all the tyranny coming out of the Washington establishment, George Washington and his little group of goons, okay? They were prosecuted, and they got convicted, okay? If you disagreed with the quote-unquote government, well, that made you an alien enemy. Now, here's an interesting thing. Well, what, why do we care about alien enemy from way back, back when they founded the America, huh? Easy. Because they used it in World War II to imprison Japanese, German, and Italians, but with special emphasis on the Japanese. Uh-huh. And guess what? Some of it is still in effect today, ladies and gentlemen. Today, ladies and gentlemen, 50 United States Code 21 to 24, the Alien Enemies Act. So make something crystal clear in your mind. The foundation of the problem goes to the foundation of something. And again, we've talked about the fact that there's been several constitutions and there's been several United States corporations and all that kind of stuff. And we're not going to get into all that today. But I'm trying to establish a pattern here. Okay. Moving forward. Now, they did have their opposition, and that was, of course, Jefferson. He was your third president. He was a Republican slash Democrat. You would call him a liberal in the classical sense, not this leftist-leaning garbage they call liberals now. He believed in rights, freedoms, and certain things, not that he was an angel because, again, I'm going to talk about a little bit of his shenanigans too. 
And, you know, he's always been basically looked as one of the top individuals. Why? Because he was responsible for writing certain papers that became so important to the United States as we know them and everything else, of course. Now, him, some of the things that he did while he was president, the Louisiana Purchase. Well, that was fine. He bought it from the French because the French were at war and they needed money and it was easier to sell it to America than it was to turn around and uh, try to protect it while they were busy fighting England. France and England were going against each other all the time anyway. Um, Second, that wasn't the problem, even though it put the uh, United States into debt. Once that was done, the land was quote-unquote purchased they turned around and ordered the removal of the Indian tribes that were there on those areas. Gee, do we really need to talk about our history again? I don't think we need to. I really don't. Because we realize just how much death and destruction was done. Well, we own this land now because we bought it from the French. Well, wait a minute. The Indians have been here for thousands of years. But, yeah, they don't matter. Again, diplomacy at the point of a bayonet or a gun. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your world. It hasn't changed in centuries. Now, him and James, uh, Jefferson and James Madison did what were called the Kentucky and Virginia Resolutions. And that was, of course, to battle the problem they had with uh, all the garbage coming out of the Federalist. Federalist Party and the Alien and Sedition Act. So that was important. But again, they couldn't even write it under their own names because they would have obviously had to, they would turn around and been charged with the Alien and Sedition Act, okay? So you've got this muzzling that is taking place where you cannot have real discussions, real debates, okay? And one of the biggest points that Jefferson was making was, listen, the feds don't have rights to exercise powers not delegated to them. They don't. They do not have those powers. And yet here they were exercising them. Well, look at 2021. We have the same problem. You have Washington, D.C. dictating to the states, dictating to the counties, the cities, everything down to the smallest detail now. Smallest details. So now we can fast forward a few more years, talk about Lincoln. You know, everybody's favorite president, oh, the great president that was responsible for winning the Civil War. Rah, rah, and all that garbage. Again, do not get me started. Anybody who knows their history knows that Lincoln was just exactly like George Washington. Exactly. Because he used the power of his office to do the same thing. He had people that were opposed to his quote-unquote war. And remember, it is called the War of Northern Aggression for a reason, and we'll get into that in a minute. His war, anybody that was opposed to it in the North that had a newspaper something like that, They were prosecuted, and many of these men were murdered. They were executed. And don't get me started on one of the the largest execution of the American Indians. 
also is under his particular thing, mass execution. But that's beside the point. That's a little tangent there, turning. And at the time, the 13th Amendment said you could not have a foreign dignitary title in being a bar attorney, British Accreditation Regency, made him that. But he was president anyway. And of course, the South succeeded. And again, for those that don't think the South had the right to say, you know what, we're done with your little sham that you got going here. Because it, they, there was a reason. The contract wasn't being honored the way that they had agreed to, and they had the right to succeed, folks. And again, for those people that don't know their American history, do you know that the first state that decided they wanted to succeed from the Union wasn't in the South? It was a whole lot earlier, 50 years actually, in the War of 1812. Uh-huh. There was a threat to succeed there because there was a lot of trade going on between that state, and I can't remember which one it is off the top of my head right now. It doesn't matter. In England, and they didn't want to interrupt that trade, so they did not want to participate in the War of 1812. And remember, folks, the War of 1812 was repercussions for the Bank of the United States losing its charter. Why do I keep reminding everybody? All wars are bankers' wars. All wars are bankers' wars. But anyway, getting back on track. So he gets elected president. South succeeds. Next thing that happens is Lincoln raises his army and his navy and sends it south. And everybody sits there and points to Fort Sumter and says, see, 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 it was those evil, evil people in the south that started the Civil War. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. That there little Fort Sumter, they snuck in in the middle of the night. Union forces did, took over, and were waiting for the reinforcements to arrive. And reinforcements were on their way. Everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. No secrets in those days. None. And finally, when that first ship arrived, because they spent months, listen, please leave. We will give you tickets. You can take the train north. It'll be fine. But this is our property now. You snuck in in the middle of the night. No, that's not acceptable. This is our land. This is our property. This is a new government. All of that. No. So they come out. Finally, this first ship arrives off the fort. No choice but to fire now because they cannot let that fort get reinforced. There you have the first shots of the quote-unquote civil war, which I like to refer to as America's third civil war. Because War of uh, 1812 was number two, and like I said, the original one, the Revolutionary War, was the first. And what happened after that? Well, same thing. Lincoln got murdered. They went after four people that day, ladies and gentlemen, not one, four. And no, it wasn't the quote-unquote southern sympathizers that went after him. No, it was Jesuits. And that takes us back to 1822. In other words, several decades before the first shot at Fort Sumter. 
and an agreement made between the Vatican and several kings of Europe to make sure that freedom did not a foothold in America. But again, we don't want to talk about real history. The other ones that were targeted that day, Seward, Secretary of State. They got to him, but he survived the attack. General Grant left town, so his guy never got a shot off at him. And the one that went after Vice President Johnson, well, Vice President Johnson, uh, he cowed out. So Johnson didn't get hit, and he survived and, of course, became president. So what do they do? Because Johnson was a Southerner. And no, he was stayed loyal to the Union. He was still a Southerner. But he was also a real Constitution guy. And here's the thing. Most people don't realize he was also the very first president to ever get impeached. The first because he was defending the Constitution from an overreaching federal government. Shocker, I know. And don't get me started on the 14th Amendment. They threw out, they put it, brought in a new Constitution, threw out the original 13th Amendment, Title of Nobilities Act, replaced it with the current version, and the 14th Amendment as well. And I keep reminding people, those two amendments don't do what you've been told they do. Just read them over and over and over and over again until you realize it didn't do away with slavery. It legalized it. There was no such thing as a United States citizen until they created it. What is a United States citizen? That is a federal citizen. That's not a state one, which leads to problems in the future, which we will be getting to shortly. So then, of course, you got more shenanigans, more banker games, and again, wars of bankers' wars. You have all these things that take place. And again, going back to the founding of documents, gold and silver were money. Gold and silver were money, and they were interchangeable at 15 to 1. Well, at 15 to 1, you could get 15 ounces of silver and convert it into one ounce of gold. Okay. But the problem was you had a crime that took place, and that's what it was called right after that in 1780s. Gold would only be acceptable in payments of debts, and this was, of course, in the interest of the bankers. It was not in the interest for the average man or woman on the street. It was not. And again, it was designed for one thing, to steal people's stuff from them because now you had to have gold to pay back your debt when before the act passed gold or silver could be used to pay back any debts gee where do we see more games like that coming around okay so then we move a little bit further we get into the early 20th century we get this thing called a federal reserve and the bankers had been doing this game. This is a very, very, very old game, and you've heard me talk about it tonight already. This is vulture capitalism. They would put money out in loans, and then they would call those loans in at certain times. They would all get together, all the big bankers, and say, okay, at this point next year, we don't loan any more money. We call in every loan. 
And this allowed them to come in and steal everything that had been mortgaged. Games politicians play. And this, of course, if you're sitting there on sinking sand, quicksand, this is what the problem is. You'll notice we've had this problem again and again and again. We've done it, what, a half a dozen times in my lifetime. The most recent one was 2008. And then right now, this is a giant transfer of wealth in the form of stealing. But the first theft was with the creation of the Federal Reserve, which again was an act passed at Christmas time when most of Congress was gone. It would not have passed with a full Congress. Would not have passed. And Federal Reserve notes, as you've heard me say before, 12 United States Code 411 are not money. They are negotiable debt instruments and a liability to the United States Corporation. They are not money. And there was only supposed to be 25% of those that circulated. Everything else was supposed to be hard money, gold and silver, and more specifically gold now. Then right after that, we get our first world war. And while the president said, hey, I'm not taking us to world war, let those Europeans fight amongst themselves. Uh-huh. After he gets elected, oh, send the dope boys over there to fight those Huns. Yeah. And you know what World War One was really about? Don't tell me about some damn archduke that got his ass assassinated. That had nothing to do with it. The English were pissed off, the king was, because the Germans were beginning to become powerful. And I don't mean militarily. Economically, in science, in all the beautiful things that makes a society a wonderful place to be. That's exactly what happened. And we, of course, went to our master's call over in England. And they says, come forth and send your doughboys. And we sent our people over there. And what were some of the other things that happened in the same time frame? World War One. Well, we had the Russian Revolution. And again, if you don't know your history, that was New York bankers, a.k.a. Rothschilds, that did that one too. They actually caught the ship with the gold and the troops. Most of the actual troops were just guys that got off of the New York streets and said, hey, you all want to go to a war? We're paying well. Oh, yeah, sounds like a great idea. Uh-huh. But we don't want to talk about any of that because that's real history. You know, we just want to believe that, oh, there was an uprising over in Russia and they threw off the czar and, you know, now we have communism and rah, rah, rah. Yeah. Oh, wars are bankers' wars. I cannot stress that point enough. What are some of the other things that took place? Oh, that's right. All those returning doughboys and everybody else at the time were getting these injections. Oh, wow, this is great. No, it wasn't. Now, they called it the quote-unquote Spanish flu. That's what they said. But if you look and you find out that the people were suffering from several things. One, they were all getting injected. Fact. Two, those injections were killing people. Fact. Three, those muzzles people were wearing were causing them to be infecting themselves. Fact. So you had this massive kill-off of people, not only in a world war, but when they come home, more of it. 
and the bankers continue their game. Then we had a quote-unquote recession in the early 20s, and then we had the rest of the 20s, which were the roaring 20s. Yes! Great. The money is going. It's flowing. It's awesome. I throw a dollar into the stock market. It's $3 tomorrow. Boy, I can't lose at this casino. Woo-hoo! Uh-huh. Y'all believe that. I got this uh, <clears throat> little bridge here in uh, Tennessee for sale. Actually, it's oceanfront property, too, but uh, that's beside the point. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that's your history. We all know what happened in 29. They pulled the plug. 1913 to 1929. Took them 16 years for the bankers to come in and take it. Boom. There it was. And that, ladies and gentlemen, also post-World War One, was when things happened. 1917, Trading with the Enemy Act. And we had this new thing called a birth certificate created. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So you can now fast forward a little bit more. 1933, and FDR is going to save the day. Well, the first thing they did was the Smoot-Hartley Act, which kept America in a recession slash depression. We would have gotten out of it except the Smoot-Hartley Act came into being, but that's not even the important thing that happened. That's not what's important. It took bankers 20 years, only 20 years, to put their man in where they needed him. DR coming forth. His inauguration address, which you've heard me talk about again and again. Today is a day of national consecration. Uh-huh. And again, if you look at it for his inauguration address where it's written down somewhere, you won't find those words in there. You will not find them because they're deliberately being hidden. But you see, just because you can't find them written, the nice thing about this time frame Oh, we had cameras, and we had recording devices, and more importantly than that, we could record the individual speaking with their own voice. And there it is, right at the beginning of his inauguration address. And as I've told you folks again and again in the legal world, that which comes before takes precedence over everything that comes after. So you say, John, well, okay, this is interesting. What does that mean? Today is a day of national consecration. First of all, nation isn't the country, folks. It's the corporation. Second of all, consecration means. It means you're working for the church. Vatican banking, anybody? Direct ties to Rothschild? And again, we don't have time for me to get into it on tonight's show. But folks, I've explained it with Marty before. In a nutshell, that's exactly what happened. At that instant, he hypothecated every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, and at that point, all of their land and property became surety for the corporation United States debts. The bankruptcy was now um, finalized, and they had a way to start paying it back, and the treasury got taken over. And again, you don't hear about any of this 
everybody gives great applause for FDR for quote unquote saving the day and being a great leader in World War II. Well, let's talk about some of his treason then. Aside from selling out the entire country to the European bankers, and remember he was a New York banker. Don't want to sit there and gloss any of that over. Fast forward uh, all his little shenanigans. What happens when he started doing his New World Order crap back in the 30s? The Supreme Court says, uh, no, 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 no. Oh, this is not permissible. This is not acceptable. So how are we going to solve this problem? Oh, I know. We're going to increase the size of the Supreme Court. And, of course, there's nothing supreme about the Supreme Court. But for the sake of argument, let's say it is in charge. So voila. How fascinating that is. Now all of his leftist, liberal, fascist programs coming straight out of the Vatican, straight out of the uh, bankers' agendas, can now pass because he stacked the Supreme Court. And then, by the way, folks, it's still stacked. You'll find two groups of people down there at the Supreme Court, two groups. You'll find Jews, and you'll find Catholics. What you won't find is a Protestant anywhere on that court. For a very long time. But again, that's just conspiracy theory, folks. Moving on. So now we get into 1939, 1940, and there's a little shenanigan going in Europe again. You know, the end of World War I, the war to end all wars, was just the foundation point for World War II. And where have you heard me talk about, well, where was Nazi headquarters? No, ladies and gentlemen, it was not in Berlin, Germany, contrary to your opinion. No, it was, coincidentally, New York, New York. Wow. Once again, we have this New York thing keep popping up in our faces every single time. Wow. Ever heard of the Bush crime family? You know, they had a couple presidents and all that. You think they got their money in oil? No. They got their money in banking. Doyle, that's a side business. The drug running, that's a side business. The cocaine importing agency, that was a side business that became the main business. Yeah, folks, time to wake up. But anyway, back to FDR. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, there he be. He starts doing things, make sure that they're pissing off the Japanese. Yep. Now, why is that? He's got to get the Japanese to attack America. So he sends the American fleet, all of the most important parts of it, to a little island. You know, we call it Hawaii. It wasn't a state at the time. Leaves it out there and pisses off the Japanese. And they warned him, okay, it is now official. The Japanese fleet is on the way, and they are going to be attacking Pearl Harbor. Does he do anything to make sure that they know that? Everybody knew that it was a potential thing over there, but they didn't know that the fleet was literally on the way. So what ended up happening, of course, we have December 7, 1941. And what people don't realize, again, history that nobody talks about, and I found out this little detail in a book on JFK, Franklin Delano Roosevelt and the ass over there in England were old buddies. They had met each other in World War One, and they made a little deal that says, listen, we need the Americans in the war in our favor. Hmm. More hidden history. 
So the bombs drop, all the Americans all up in arms, all kinds of upsets. Oh, those damn Japanese, they dropped those bombs, and by golly, let's go to war! You know what would have happened if the American fleet had been sitting outside of that location with all our aircraft and all of our equipment? That war would have been over before it began. Instead of thousands of American sailors and air force and Marines and all those other people dying, we would have gutted the Japanese Navy. And it would have been over before it started. But you see, that, ladies and gentlemen, doesn't go along with the agenda. Nope. We must push for the New World Order. And therefore, we had December 7th, and the rest, as we say, is history. So you fast forward a few more years. What happens then? Well, little side note for people that don't know, there was a uh, attempted coup to overthrow FDR. And again, General Smedley Butler out of that. And for those that don't know who General Smedley Butler is, go read his book, Wars of Racket. All wars are bankers, wars, people. Okay? So, FDR dies, his VP becomes president. What they do? They turn around and they drop a couple bombs. The Japanese were done. They were done. They were ready to surrender. But we needed to set an example for the world. And don't even get me started on the bombings place in Germany. Because, ladies and gentlemen, you are supposed to choose military targets only. So when you target cities with no military assets and nothing but civilians in them, we have a word for that, folks. We call them war crimes. War crimes. But again, war crimes are normal. We got George Washington doing them. We've got Abraham Lincoln doing them. We've got all of these previous presidents doing them. What makes this one any different, folks? Absolutely nothing. Not a damn thing. So, boom, flattened a bunch of German cities, killed millions of the civilians. Then they suffered through the winter of 46 and all this suffering and death. And by the way, a lot of German POWs, prisoners of war, they died of exposure, they died of hunger, they died of lack of care. And again, war crimes, ladies and gentlemen. Now, we went and said, okay, all these Nazi war crimes, we're going to hold them accountable. Yeah, but there were an awful lot of Americans, English and Russians that were guilty of war crimes right alongside those Germans. And I can actually argue that they were actually worse. Because what prisoner of war is supposed to be treated and protected, not murdered. But remember, this is not about anything that we talk about. No, war has nothing to do with anything other than mass murder on a much larger budget. The Vatican's bought themselves a country and an army in the form of Germany. And again, we don't want to talk about the Russian Revolution where the King of England was upset because the Russian Tsar was richer than he was. 
can't have that. Rothschilds have been on both sides of every war for as long as they've been around. Time to learn your history, folks. So let's fast forward a little bit more. We've got Eisenhower. He warns us about the military-industrial complex. But again, take into consideration that General Eisenhower was the one that was allowing a lot of these war crimes to take place over in Germany. Hey, you know, but everybody likes him. <clears throat> so we can move forward some more. Kennedy, JFK, he gets elected. He managed to pay off a few people in the uh, state of West Virginia, made sure that he won, because in West Virginia they don't like Catholics. But he won, and honestly, I don't have a problem with it. Kennedy actually cared, and the sons... John F. and the other one, Robert, they wanted to leave the Kennedy background, which, of course, was alcohol during Prohibition, which made them tied into the mafia. So JFK gets elected, and him and his brother decide that they're going to do some cleanup, and they start discovering all this crap including the CIA, was running, now running it rampant, <clears throat> creating warfare and all this other stuff that they're notorious for. You know, figure a few things out, folks. Time to figure some things out. One of the things he did, he went after the bankers. Well, you know, going after bankers is never a good thing. I mean, that's the reason they took out Lincoln. That was the reason they took out Kennedy. But we know our history now, folks. And the first, you know, the term conspiracy theorist that was first used back then over the Kennedy assassination when everybody was doing the math and saying, you know what? Two plus two is not making four here. What's going on? Oh, you're just a conspiracy theorist. There was only one shooter, and he had a really shitty Italian rifle. And boy, he had the ability to make those bullets do incredible things. Uh Uh-huh. It was an assassination, well executed, again, with who was on the trigger? Oh, Vatican hitman! Oh, shocker! But we don't want to talk about that, do we? Mm -mm. And for people that don't know their history again, common problem, we had this real scumbag named Lyndon Baines Johnson, vice president of Kennedy, really upset that he wasn't the president. Oh, God, that Kennedy's piece of shit. There was a war between those two. It was a war. And I'm here to tell you, he was not naive to what was going on. The day before the shooting experience called the Big event, I believe, is the term that they titled it. The big event. Day before, he looked at his mistress and says, Tomorrow, all my problems go away. All my problems go away. Mm-hmm. So, all of a sudden, there's a crossfire, and uh, needless to say, the president loses the back of his head. And LBJ is smiling at his little 
friend as he's taking the oath of office. Meanwhile, the widow is there also in absolute agony. He's taking his oath of office. Yep. Give me the position. I will give you your war. So what do we get with uh, our friend uh, there, Lyndon Baines Johnson? Oh, he was quite the president. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, immediately, you know, like I said a minute ago, one of the things Kennedy was doing, he was creating debt-free money, something that hadn't been done since, oh, Lincoln. He was creating what was called U.S. notes. Those are the Red Seal things, $5. And, oh, boy, those got pulled immediately. Well, what was the other thing that happened? Well, we know in 1933 that criminal banker Franklin Delano Roosevelt stole everybody's gold and gold certificates to executive order. That was the very first thing he did. He shut down all the banks and only reopened his Vatican banking buddies. So that cost an awful lot of depositors and Americans a lot of their savings. Then he turns around and steals everybody's gold at $20.63 an ounce. And after he's got all the Americans' gold and all the gold certificates, what does he do? He turns around and now makes gold worth $35 an ounce. (laughs) Ah, boy, it sounds like banker stealing normally, doesn't it? Well, again, I got a little ahead of myself a few minutes ago. So now I've got to go back to 65. 1964, ladies and gentlemen, is the last year we had silver circulating coins other than the 40% half dollars that circulated for a couple more years. They stole the gold in 1933. They stole the silver in 65, and that was under Lyndon Baines Johnson. Don't think for a minute he wasn't a banking scumbag. And let's talk about a few of the other little shenanigans that LBJ was responsible for aside of being party to the murder of his president. We also have an issue of a certain little boat floating in the middle of the ocean. Mm -hmm. For those of you who do not know the story of the USS Liberty, I would highly encourage you to go and do some research on it. USS Liberty was there doing some, uh, it was during the Seven Day War, the Israelis were at war with everybody in the Middle East, basically. And they wanted to get the Americans involved in that. Well, what's the best way to get the Americans all pissed off? Oh, we call those false flags, right? Yeah, we want the Americans getting into war. So why do we have a false flag? Oh, let's sink a ship called the USS Liberty. That sounds like a brilliant strategy. And that's what they did. So the Israeli pilots are busy flying around. And they get the order to attack the USS Liberty. And, of course, the Israeli pilots are like, what are you talking about? That's our allies. That's the Americans. We're not attacking the Liberty. You will attack the Liberty or you will have problems when you get back. Okay. So the Israeli Air Force in 1967 turns around and bombs the shit out of the USS Liberty. Now, the thing is they killed an awful lot of those sailors. But the thing is the ship fought back. Once they realized that, uh-oh, we're in trouble now, there were several things that happened. You know, you attack an American ship, well, guess what? Other Americans want to come to the rescue. So the first thing that happens is an aircraft carrier group nearby hears about the attack, launches his fleet of aircraft. Boys, go save the Liberty! Ring, ring. 
Ring, ring. Captain, Sir President of the United States, you will recall your aircraft. Excuse me? You will recall your aircraft. Those aircraft are recalled. The liberty is defenseless. There's an American submarine that's busy watching all of this take place. They get a phone call too. Ring, 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 ring. You are to, to you are to torpedo the USS Liberty. Now these men had integrity. Now remember, disobeying a direct order is a big no-no in the military, even though this was clearly an unlawful order. So they didn't. And LBJ's comment, I want that goddamn ship by the bottom of the ocean. But everybody loves LBJ, right? I mean, after all, he gave us all these wonderful things like welfare, you know, guns and butter policy. Oh, the war on Vietnam. Uh-huh. Time to wake up, people. These people are psychopaths, dictators, and scumbags. LBJ's little Great Society program. And for all of you that happen to love your guns, oh, the 1968 Gun Control Act was under him too. Shocker. Happened to those men on the Liberty when they got home? You will keep your mouth shut about what happened. And they stayed silent for quite a few decades. Now they finally outed themselves as they got older and says, oh, the hell with this. If they want to prosecute me now, they can. And this is how we know the full story. So you can fast forward with some more presidents. I don't care which one you want to choose. It doesn't matter. You've had countries overthrown. You've had the cocaine importing agency doing all the little shenanigans. In the Reagan White House, you had the, uh, you know, cocaine being traded for weapons, being traded for cash. You had war crimes being committed. And, you know, you had this little colonel. Let me see if I can remember his name. Colonel North. Oh, gee, how else do I know that name? Two ways. One, Colonel North. Oh, he was the guy that was building internment camps in America. Hmm. Oh, he was also head of the NRA for a while. Uh-huh. It really is time for people to wake up. It really is past time. But you see what Marty and I are doing right now? It would be considered to be seditious. Actually, it's all me because I'm the one doing all the talking. Now, does it matter that all of these facts are true? No, of course not. In an empire of lies, telling the truth is a revolutionary act and will get you executed. Just ask all of those whistleblowers over the years that found themselves suiciding themselves twice in the back of the head suiciding or other ways of dying under suspicious and mysterious circumstances. 
all these doctors, the real ones, the honest ones that were helping people who were victims of shots, homeopaths, good men, good women who died under mysterious circumstances before this problem came up. You're being lied to in so many ways. You can call the actor, and I don't give a damn if it was Trump. I don't give a damn if it's Biden. You can call the actor what he is, a criminal, because they're just puppets. And they have one purpose only, that is to bring in their new world order. And if you haven't figured out that this little clot shot thing that they're doing is designed to destroy your white blood cell count, inject into you something that turns you into a walking and talking cryptocurrency if you survive the shots and don't die from the poisons that it's injecting you and don't die from some of the other crap. See, what they're doing is they are creating... Not only dead bodies, not only wounded people. What do we talk about? Doctors don't cure anymore. A patient cured is not a paycheck. Well, you get your whole body destroyed, acquired immune deficiency. Guess what? You're now at the mercy of the people selling the injections if you survive them. Good luck with that. The tyranny is real, folks. The tyranny is real. And if you're not aware of it, you just listen to some of my friends over there in Aussie who I know are listening right now. Brothers, know that our hearts, our wildest dreams and hopes are with you. They truly are. See, the Australian people got their guns taken away. We still have ours. Now they're coming after them. They are coming after anybody that's standing up to them. They call us, gives us criteria of radicals, homegrown terrorists. And they attack our free speech. We're not allowed to say certain things on Fedbook. And remember, folks, Facebook, that's a DARPA creation that went live. Google, that's the cocaine importing agency, ladies and gentlemen. And if you don't realize that the system that they're bringing in, this global economic reset, which is the cover that they're using, is this injection thing and this hoax for their global economic reset. And I'm no fan of the Federal Reserve. You folks know that. You've heard me rail against it for the entire time I've been on here. All banking wars are... Nothing more than banking wars. But they're going to replace the system with the central bank digital currencies. You think you're at their mercy right now? Well, what happens when you can't go into a store because your computer says that you're not green? What happens if you say something to offend the powers that should not be? And he decided, oh, your central bank digital currency, you don't have any. We didn't give you any. And they starve you out. 
You, ladies and gentlemen, are at a crossroads in ways that are so rare, so rare in human history, and I hate the word human, human, hue of man, color of man, monster thing, something that can be owned, something that can be sold. And by the way, folks, by the way, there was a court case in the Supreme Court a few years ago. I shared it on my timeline. That if you get one of their injections, you aren't, quote unquote, human anymore. And more importantly than that, now they can pat your ass. Isn't that sweet? Now you don't even belong to yourself. It is time to wake up to the tyranny, folks. You better start realizing that you don't have friends in government. You better start realizing that you better start networking with each other. And you better start counting on each other in ways that you're not prepared and haven't been trained to do. You better start learning skills that you need to feed yourself and survive. Because, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to get anything from this hour and 20 minutes that I've been ranting, get this. Your life depends on it. Back to you, Marty. You know, and so many people have been talking about all of this exactly um, where we are now at this point in time. And I go back to what I said at the beginning of the show. There is no virus per se. This is something that is being intentionally injected into the population. And some people, uh, for some reason, are susceptible to it. Others are not. So we come with these variants and we keep changing the formula on whatever this biological agent is to affect the most pe- people possible. Um, it, we are. Bill Gates envisions us all as walking ATMs. And something I just found out here recently um, is like when you go to the airport, if you've gotten on one of these government watch lists, which I have, you'll see SSS written on your ticket, your boarding pass. That means to severely scrutinize and search, which has happened to me. And I make a, try to make a joke of it, but it was one of the most god-awful moments of my life. I didn't know whether to go on to my flight or just sit down and start planning a baby shower. I have, If a man had done to me on the street what TSA did to me in D.C., I'd still be beating his ass. And... Yet, for some reason, under the auspices of terrorism, um, they're allowed to fondle us, molest us, assault us, insult us, abuse us in any numbers of ways. And by the way, and I've had this conversation with other TSA agents about these were special jobs. I said they most certainly are. You had to take a psych test, didn't you? Well, of course. I said you got hired because there were indicators in your character saying that you would be amenable to this kind of behavior. You had character deficits that made you ideal for this job. You are otherwise actually unemployable. They don't like to hear that. Well, anyway, we have put up with a lot. The fact that we allowed TSA in the airports and we didn't rise up and 
I mean, a lot of us did, but most of us said, well, they're just trying to keep us safe. Understand what I tell you and John is telling you. They don't care about you being safe. They do care about being safe from you. Um, what our government fears is like what's happening in Australia and Germany and other countries is civil revolt. People jumping up and saying, I've had enough. I've had enough. And I, I don't know how all of this is going to turn out, John. I truly don't. But um, I just got a message here, too. And he said, I read the 22-page Supreme Court ruling, and it does not say that you are patentable or that you are no longer human. It does not say that at all. Am I reading the wrong report, John? No, you've got to learn to read legally. You have to read it in the way that it's worded. It's not going out there and say it exactly. Okay? Okay. But the way it is worded, it's there. And we've talked to the that people have lost rights. Remember, folks, you have been property of the United States Corporation. You always have been. And again, we don't have time to sit here and talk about that. Okay? We've had several bankruptcies in the United States Bank, but one thing is consistent. You have been a servant, a slave. You have been pressed gang to serve these things. The United States Corporation, for all practical purposes, is now finished. It is now completely finished. Well, the only thing that's left now is going into other corporations, and information is the new money. Information is. And right now, there's just two companies that are fighting over the cloud of who gets to be the big dog on the thing. Okay? Okay. Control of information is control of everything. We were lied to about September 11, 2001. Again, we've talked about Bush crime family. We don't have time anymore here. But what you have to realize is corporations are all tied directly with each other, and the bankers control those. And the same people are on multiple boards all across, and they have destroyed their competition, which is mom-and-pop stores. They have destroyed it. Exactly. And that was the thing, too, John. Uh, You know, when this all first started and they closed down, you know, all small family, independent local businesses, I tried to tell people they what they're doing is they're destroying your local economy, what actually drives your local economy. If this thing was what they claimed it was and you leave Walmart open – Target, Home Depot that has hundreds and hundreds of customers a day, but mom and pop down here on the corner have to close their grocery store? Does this make sense to you? And what I told him was I said we have lost an estimated 66,000 family and independent businesses behind this across the country. And many people say it's far greater than that. And yet Walmart, Home Depot, Target, all of these saw booms in sales. Are you catching on yet? They're talking about, oh, there's a surplus of jobs. People just don't want to work. I don't believe that for a minute. There have never been, never, 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 never been enough jobs. One of the reasons we have such a massive 
well-oiled prison for profit system is it keeps approximately two and a half million people out of the job market every year so they don't have to be counted. Now, some of those people need to be there. majority of them don't. But it's money. And I remember reading the book, and I think it was called The Triumph of Politics or The Triumph of Power, but it was about Ronald Reagan, his presidency. And it was written by one of his staffers, and they said they had a terrible time trying to explain to Reagan how 20% of the population had to be kept in abject poverty for the rest of the economy to look good. And he just couldn't get a handle on that. He just couldn't understand that. But this is actually true. They have to keep, and they, it, what it does is it provides them, it's wonderful. Things go bad. You point at those people that you forced into poverty and say it's all their fault. If they, if they would just get a job, never mind that there aren't enough jobs, they would just get a job. They're just too lazy. They don't want to work. You're having to support them. Never mind we screwed everything up over here. Look at these people over there. Remember the, um, uh, oh, God, back, what was that, 80s or 90s when they talked about the welfare queen driving the Cadillac? That never happened. That never happened. That was something they made up that caught fire. And they realized how effective this kind of sloganism was. Um, so immediately, many people jumped. Everybody on welfare is driving a Cadillac. <laughs> I don't think so. But we have been taken apart. And unless we restart these small businesses, I don't care if Walmart goes down, let it go. It's a junk store anyway. Get these small businesses restarted. Get our economies going again. But see, they want to break you to the point that you have no choice but to do corporate business. Every one of the businesses that was allowed to stay running is a corporation. Every one of them donates money to the federal government, to several politicians. Gee, I wonder why they got to stay open. And if I put on a mask in their support, which I refuse to do, I'm safe. But if I go into my little local mom and pop with a mask on, no, we have to close them down. That's too close. That's too close. I just, um, you know what I did, John? I did go into Walmart intentionally and with no mask. And the guy at the door said, ma'am, here's a mask. I said, well, good. Put it on if you want to. And he said, you have to wear one. I said, no, I don't. Ma'am, you have to put one on. No, I don't. I respectfully declined, and I went on in the store, and nobody said anything. A few days later, I'm at the dollar store, and I've told this to several people, but um, a lady walked up to me, and she said, you don't have a mask on. I said, oh, you noticed. And she says, well, don't you think you should? I said, do you know who Cat Williams is? She said, yes, he's a black comedian. I said, I suffer from the same allergies Cat does. I'm allergic to stupid shit. And she just stood there, and I just walked off. I have refused, and steadfastly refused, to put a mask on. I will not do it. And then they came out, and people were wearing two masks. Well, I wonder how long it will be till you're good and sick. But we, we have been I, – I don't know how we're going to come out of this, John. I don't know if we can survive it. Even if we stood up now and fought, fought I don't know if we could survive it. I just don't know. Uh, what was it Biden said here a while ago? Well, you may have your guns, but remember, we got nuclear weapons. This man's not in his right mind. He's, he's not in his right mind. But I've said all along, 
it isn't the gun itself that they want. It is the psychological effect of disarming you, disempowering you, and leaving you feeling you have no way to defend yourself and fight back. That's what they're after. Australia tells us that too. Many people just have the, well, we have no way to fight back. They took our guns. But see, what Australia is finding out is <laughs> people got pitchforks, shovels, pickaxes, all kinds of stuff. It works just as good. And uh, But th- this is what I'm saying. When you're ready to fight, anything's a weapon. So even if they do disarm us, which I don't think they can get done, they've tried and tried and tried. Uh, just figure out what else you could use. The day is going to come, I believe. And, John, if you think I'm wrong, you say so. But the day is going to come that they are going to come door-to-door rounding people up, people like me who have refused to be vaccinated for anything, much less this mess. Um these fusion centers, we need to talk about that one time uh, on one of the shows. I had Karen Stewart on here a while back. She's an NSA whistleblower, 28-year service, and she talked about these fusion centers. that They're all across the country, but how they spy. They're local spy networks, and they are collecting information on you constantly and turning it over to law enforcement, Homeland Security, NSA, whomever. Uh, we need to get rid of these people and the traitors that are working in them. But anyway, we got about a minute and a half left here. John, did you have anything you wanted to say in closing? Um, ladies and gentlemen, they want to divide and conquer. They want us fighting amongst each other. They do. What we've got to do, folks, is like I keep reminding everybody, stop consenting to the tyranny. And the most powerful thing in the mind needs to be your mind. The most powerful action you can take is to say no and to back it up by your actions. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our hope, and it's the only one we've got. Back to you, Mother. There you go. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in tonight. I truly appreciate it. I know John does, too. I want to remind everyone these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the annual Whistleblower Summit. Now, this next year, there's going to be some changes to the venue and how we do things, but we will be there. And I hope you all have a good evening. I hope it, and these shows are available in archives, so you can listen to them at any time. I know a lot of you go back and listen to John's shows and and take notes. I think that's a good idea. Arm yourself with information. It's the best weapon you've got. And we will be back next Monday night now that the Internet is secure here. We don't have any more communication problems, and we'll see what else we come up with. Everybody have a good evening, and again, thank you for being with us. Good night, everyone. Good night, Will.